is I want to go into this series, and it's called The Worship Experience. And I want to spend three weeks resetting the culture of worship that we believe God has instructed us to create. And this is very significant. We've done a phenomenal job, as you can see, the team over here and the team over there, just phenomenal. And when you add your worship, it just sends it to a new, a new level. So I want to thank you for even participating in worship. You know, you can go to some places and people spectate during worship. And so the person up here, they're singing to something like a concert. And they're ministering at someone, but they're not engaged with someone. We thank God for this ministry. We do. We thank God for an environment where people are free to worship. And I want to teach a little bit more about that because I believe that a lot of people have come to the ministry who may not be familiar with the culture. And I also want to kind of shake us up a little bit, those of us who are familiar and have gotten a little comfortable with God and show you what God expects of us when it comes to the worship experience and what those results can be. To do this well, this is our first part. I want to talk this morning about the power of praise. I'm going to do it in three phases. I'll talk about praise, show you the slight distinction. Then next week, I'll talk a little bit about worship. And then I'm going to show you what I think has been that missing piece where we take principles and we add them to our praise. If you don't add principles to your praise, doesn't matter how hard you worship, sometimes you find nothing happening in your life. And that can be very frustrating. But you need principles attached to your praise to get maximum results. So today we're going to talk about the power, the power of praise. Here's a scripture for you. It's in Psalm 150 that I want you to consider. It's a beautiful, it's the last song in the songbook, the last prayer in the prayer book. And it begins by saying, Hallelujah. Believe it or not, those words, praise ye the Lord in Hebrew, form one word, hallelujah. And it also closes by saying, hallelujah. And we'll show you what that term actually means. The writer instructs us, or he admonishes us, he says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament, the expanse that demonstrates his power. He goes on to say, praise God for his mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Did you follow that? So when I praise God, if I understand it, my praise must be in sync with His greatness. Did you follow that? Accord means in harmony or in the, Robert, the same chord as His greatness. So my praise on earth has to match His eternal greatness. And that's why the writer says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He goes on by teaching us these words. Now watch. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery, the lyre, and with the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and add some dancing with that. Praise him with stringed instruments and add organs unto that. Oh my Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. And then here's the crescendo. Watch this. This scripture, I think, is baffling. Let everything that 
has breath. It didn't say let every believing thing. It didn't say every ministry attending thing. It didn't even say every Christian thing. Let everything that is breathing praise the Lord. And then he closes by saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah is a bookend. And therein is the word of God. So let, let's talk a little bit about praise as a universal language. Can I just show you something that I find interesting? In Christian theology, there's two concepts of God that must be balanced. There is the concept that God is transcendent. And by transcendence, we mean that God is so far above us that we cannot reach to him. He, is tran he transcends our thoughts, our ways. In fact, he tells us in Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. It's transcendent. Paul says in 1 Timothy, he says that God dwells in unapproachable light. It's transcendent. In Islam, if you study Islam, the Muslim believes that Allah is transcendent, but he is not imminent, meaning that Allah is not near to us. He is always far from us. And so in Islam, because Allah is transcendent, he is to be revered and respected in everything that we do because he is just so above us and beyond us. To the degree that the Muslim would not I'm taught, place his holy book on the floor because his God is just too transcendent. Much to be feared is Allah. He is not near to them and thus they cannot know him. In fact, one of the greatest, I guess it would be, challenges that they have is believing that God would ever come to earth. I was, some years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, I was working in the office on the other side. My car was in the, I think I've shared this story before, my car was in the service center just over at Steeles and, um, and Young. And I had to pick my car up by 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock before the, the service center closed. But throughout the day, an incredible snowstorm, snowstorm came down. And so I, I had to call a taxi. So you know how long ago this was when you talk about calling a taxi. No Uber, no Lyft. I called a taxi. And the taxi guy came. It's maybe about maybe 4, 4, 4.30. And he was taking me to the dealership. But the traffic on Shepherd was, because of the snowstorm, it was bumper to bumper. And so because I was in the taxi, he was there. We were moving. We started speaking. And he said, uh, where, where, do you, where do you work? What do you do? I said, well, you know, where you pick me up, that's, there's a ministry there. I'm a pastor. That's what I do. And he said, he said, wonderful. He said, I am a Muslim. And I said, great. I think we've got a lot in common and we've got some time to, 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 to kill here. Let's talk a little bit. He said, you know, I, I believe in the Bible like you do. And I said, I absolutely believe that. He said, I believe in the Old Testament and the prophets. And I said, this is what, these are my words. I said, so do we. I said, we believe. And, you know, I started speaking his language. I said, we believe in Abraham. He said, yes, yes, yes. He said, do you know that I believe in the Gospels? I said, yes. I said, in jail, so do we. We believe in the Gospels. And I said to him, but you know what we believe? We believe that Jesus Christ 
is the son of God. Do you know what he said to me? He said, oh, my friend, sorry for you. I'm not kidding. Because they do not believe that a transcendent God can come so close. The second concept in Christianity is that of imminence, the idea that this transcendent God would come very near to us. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld. We touched and we handled of that eternal word. That's imminence. The God that is far above us has come to be right next to us. In fact, he lives in us. Here is the challenge that every believer over time has to balance. You have to balance the fact that God is transcendent and he's to be revered and yet he is near and we do not lose the fact that he is also to be revered. Challenge that we can face is that as we walk with God, we become comfortable with God. He can become an afterthought. This is seen in the Gospels where the disciples had forgotten that though Jesus was a man, God was with them. And because they were so close to him all the time, they had become comfortable with him until he went into Simon's house. And when he went into Simon's house, they forgot who he was. And they forgot that he, his feet should be washed. They forgot that they should tend to his needs and they totally disregarded. They sat down, he sat down. They didn't pay attention. And you know the story, the prostitute woman comes in and she breaks down the door and she begins to wash his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair because we can become comfortable with God until we forget that the God that's near to us is also the God that's transcendent. The reason why I say that is it bleeds itself now into our understanding of praise and worship. Because over time, if we're not careful, our worship and our praise can become confused with our circumstances, our situations, and our feelings. It's important to understand that worship requires emotion, but it is not emotionalism. Worship considers my circumstances, but it is not circumstantial. The reason why I say that's important is because if you're not careful, over time, the greatness of God can be relegated to you saying, hallelujah. Because we've become comfortable with God. My assignment is to tell you that we do not praise God because of what he's done. We don't praise God if he does something in our lives. We don't worship God because he's moved in our lives. We actually praise God, listen, because of who he is. That must always be at the forefront of why we praise God. Never because he's extended his hand. Those are benefits. But praise is lodged, worship is lodged in the idea that God is God. And you have to keep that central in your mind. It is not what I'm going through that makes me praise him. I praise him because he's God. 
And we must never become comfortable because we've come to the sanctuary for so many weeks, months, years that we know what to do, when to do it. And if, for instance, we're having a bad day, we might not or we possibly may not give him what he deserves because then we are relegating God to circumstances, emotions, and feelings. And it doesn't matter if I'm having a bad day, God remains God. That's a, that's, a, that's a level up. That's a level up from how many think. Doesn't matter if you like me, like the person beside you, like the person behind you. Doesn't matter if you're getting along with your husband or your boss. God remains God. When you understand that and you choose to operate like that, some people might think you're being hypocritical because in their mind, what you're going through should not afford you the, the way that you're behaving. But it's never, listen, I want you to hear this. It is never circumstantial with God. We must not confuse God and life circumstances. The two are not equatable. We must not, if, if, if Jennifer didn't sing this morning, watch, God is God. If Robert missed all his notes and it sounded like clanging noise, God is God. I'm trying to get us somewhere where we understand that the reason why God is praised, it's not because of what he's done. It is because who he is. That's something that every believer has to grow into. Because your worship, if you don't, your worship is going to fluctuate. Your praise is going to come and it's going to go. So let's talk about this idea of praising this being who is God. Always remembering how great he is and how near he is to us. I believe that praise is a universal language. I'm speaking from divine expectation. I believe that when God creates something, the intent of that thing is to glorify him. Last night, about maybe 12.30, I went for a little walk. I had to put something uh, uh, in one of the garbage, something I wanted to get out of the house. Went for a little walk. I was talking to the Lord, and I said, I said, Lord, I don't think that you need us. And I began to talk with him. I said, I don't think you need us, because if you existed before us, then you didn't need us, because you existed long before you created us. And if you created us because you needed us, that means you lack something before you created us. And our coming into being makes you dependent on us. But I said, no, you are self-existent. You were existing before I came on the scene. So when you created me, it was a gift and an act of grace. So you don't need me. It's a privilege for me. To praise you. <laughs> so so you, you don't need my praise. You allow me to praise you. So that you can do some things for me. The one who needs you. So I've got to be careful now. Anytime God creates something. He creates it to understand that it needs him. He doesn't need it. So the writer says, let everything that's got this life 
And it praised the Lord. Watch this. Here's the qualification for praise. As long as you're breathing, it occasions a praise to God. Breathing but no money in my pocket. Praise God. Breathing but I'm going through hell. Praise God. Breathing but I don't know what tomorrow holds. Praise God. The Hebrew said, Let everything that hath breath or let all the breath. I think part of God's expectation is that all of creation would understand that they need him. And not him needing them. Puts everyone in their place. Because then to praise God is to live. And to live is to praise God. Oh my. I woke up this morning with a praise in my mouth. Thank you Lord. Some stuff not working out. Thank you, Lord. I think God even expects the unbelieving individual to praise Him. I think God has built even the inanimate parts of creation to praise Him. There are things, you know, I had a video, but I said to myself, they're probably going to think me crazy. But I had a video, and I'm going to show it in Bible study on Wednesday. Of a bird on a, someone's hand. And what I was teaching in one of the Bible studies is that before the fall, the animal kingdom and the dynamics of that kingdom were completely different than it was now. To the degree that the possibility was there that the animal kingdom could communicate to the human kingdom. And so Eve was not surprised when the serpent spoke. And it sounds kind of like a fairy tale, but in this video, the lady had this bird. It's called a, uh, I think it's called a warbler. And the bird was actually talking whatever the lady said. The lady said, who's my beautiful bird? The bird said, who's my beautiful bird? Come to Bible study, you'll see that. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's incredible. Even the inanimate objects for the heavens declare the glory of God. That word declare means that the heavens are talking about how glorious God is. The sun is not just shining. The sun, the sun is telling a story about how great God is. Oh my. The firmament showeth his handiwork day unto day uttereth speech night unto night. They show knowledge. Everything has been designed to praise God. Now of course the redeemed should lead the way. But everything has been designed to praise God. Let's go down into this a little further. Watch this, brothers and sisters. There he goes. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. I'm going to put scriptures on everything. What praise does, it activates the earth. And it activates God. There are things in the earth that are designed to respond to praises rising to God. In other words, there are things that God has placed in the earth and they are locked and things, the thing that unlocks them is the sound or the act of praise happening around them. And so there's, there's this notion that when, when, when the people bless God, the earth begins to respond. 
Watch, here's the scripture just to show you. Let, let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then this shall happen, verse number six. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, our own God, shall bless us. So believe it or not, this may sound far-fetched and fanciful. The creation is waiting to unlock some things that are embedded inside of it that are contingent on praise going up to God. So watch this now. If I were Satan, and I'm not, I've always got to remind you that I'm not, I would lock the mouth of praisers so that what is in the earth can never be yielded because the next verse says, then the nations shall fear God. And so there's, there's bigger fish at stake than just how I feel when I'm praising God. There's cosmological ramifications to my praise. I, I think I could teach this. You may, you may think, Pastor Mickley, you're always out there on that fanciful. I think we could heal the earth by worship. I think we could do that. I think we could set things in order by worship and praise. But we'll continue talking about that. Let's, let's go one back. I'm going to go one back now. If it's universal, it also does this. It opens doors that God has created that give access to himself. So there, there are access points that God has created that praise and worship has the, can I say, the key to unlock those doors. Watch this and tell me if this doesn't make sense. Watch this. Access to God begins with gratefulness. That only makes sense. Think about it. Why would you go to a God that you're not grateful for? And so the writer would say, he would say things like this. He would say, watch this. He would say, enter his gates and make sure that you're going through that door with thanksgiving. So gratitude is so significant to activating the praise experience. Because if you're not thankful to God, why bless his name? So we go through the door with a thankful. I think this is why Paul would say, in everything, give thanks. Let that be the criteria, the litmus test of your walk with God. In everything, give thanks. This has happened, I thank you, Lord. This is not working out, I thank you, Lord. This is not up to my satisfaction, but I, I thank you, Lord. All I'm doing is I'm getting access into God because I'm thankful. One step further, once I'm in, now I can begin this whole idea of praising God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and now into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. I continue this motion with praise and I'm going to define it. I'm not going to leave it out there in the nebulous because another thing I've discovered with God is he will never allow you and I to tell him what he would desire of us. So, so please, brothers and sisters, with God, the things that he desires, he also prescribes them. To make sure, listen to this, that when you give it to him the way he has prescribed it, he can honor what he has prescribed. So when it comes to praise and worship, you cannot say to God, well, you can if you're not learned and if you're ignorant, you cannot say to God, I'm going to give you this and I expect that you're going to receive it. God goes ahead and he says, no, 
here's what I want you to give me. Now, why would he do that? Because you and I don't know what God is worth. Only God knows what he is worth. So he's actually helping me so that I can understand his worth to make sure I give him exactly what he deserves. Ah, yes, I hear you. I'm coming, Lord, if you can. One more thing before we go into this. Access can be denied if I come before God empty. The door to God can be shut if I come before God with nothing to give to him. He gives this prohibition in Deuteronomy 16. He says, tell your sons I want to see them three times a year. I need to see them at Passover. I need to see them at Pentecost. And I need to see them at Tabernacles. But when they come, make sure that they have something in their hand. And let none of your sons come before me empty. Because if you come before me empty, you're saying something about me. If you come before me, you don't have anything to give me. You're saying something about me. And I can't have you say something about me. I brought something. I brought something. I brought something. Let's talk about the forms. Because here's where it gets interesting. How should I praise God? When I'm finished this presentation, here's what I want you to do for me. I want you to look in life and tell me if you see some of these forms elsewhere. Because I'm always looking. I believe that revelation is everywhere. I'm always looking. And then when I look in certain places and I see the form, because I understand it from the word of God, but I see the form not going to God, something inside of me says, well, why can't we give that form to him? And I ask the question, why don't we give that form to him? Why do they give that form to something, but not to him? Why do people who give that form elsewhere have a hard time giving that form when they come, perhaps, into a sanctuary? And these are all questions that I mull over in my mind. Why is that? Look at these forms, brothers and sisters, watch. Here's a truth that I want you to get, and just before we do the forms, Whatever your belief system is, I want you to know this is established in the Bible. Whenever God is being praised, supernatural power is being released. Amen. Wherever God is being praised, and I may say it properly, supernatural power is being released. Things that we cannot address in the natural, God addresses it for us in the worship experience. So there is a supernatural element. So watch this. If this is true as a principle for the believer, it is also true as a principle for the unbeliever. In other words, wherever things are being worshipped, supernatural power is being released. I'm going to stay here in the Bible because I don't have time to do this story, but this is a text I want you to read. You can read the whole chapter. It's about Judah and their struggle to fight about five nations and they're fear to fight those nations. And they go to God in prayer like they should go to God. And the word comes back. And if I were there, I'd probably say, let's go back to God again. Because the word comes back, do not take the soldiers to fight. Put the singers in front of the army. And the challenge with that is we're going against the Moabites and the Ammonites 
and the children of Mount Seir and the children of the east and they've come to destroy us and the prophetic word is do not use the soldiers who are trained to fight use the singers put them in front of the battle but look what the Bible says and when they began to sing and praise God God went ahead of them and said ambushments there is supernatural power at work when we praise God things that the eyes can't see are being unlocked things that you prayed about for the longest time you add a little bit of praise to that prayer and watch what God does you have to read the whole story I can't I can't go through it but it's Jehoshaphat and the lesson that he learns about the power of praising God amidst opposition that's insurmountable you are not crazy can I encourage you you are not crazy when you said God having done all I'm gonna stand here today and bless you because I've tried everything else I might as well praise you and see what's released watch these forms brothers and sisters there's there's musical forms there's bodily forms and their vocal forms remember I said look in society and tell me if you see some sort of emulation in other places so when it comes to praising God he expects there to be the addition of musical forms so you can't say to God well we don't want all that music and here's something I hear all the time and turn it down can I help somebody no I'm not gonna play with it God says do not turn it down because I do not want it turned down because there's something that I want to do in the sound can I show you something as I was preparing the message and just going over this week I turned on the television there was a lady on television an indigenous lady was talking about the power of drumming she said I've created a drum circle and she's there with the ladies they've got the little drum doom, 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 doom. eyes are closed and the reporter said why are you drumming she said we drum because the sound of the drum and the resonation of that sound gives us access into truth and spirits then I realized that God has created some things that we often deny and we only deny that in the sanctuary because if we remembered before we came to the sanctuary we didn't deny that in the nightclub and we didn't deny that at the party we wanted them to turn it up but when we come to God, all of a sudden, some etiquette kicks in that says it's too loud. And the devil wants you to sit there in your quietness as he moves through not knowing that the vibrations in the sound. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals. Praise him on the loud sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord make watch this make a joyful noise I feel like preaching though I should be teaching yes I do feel like preaching though I should be teaching because I am taught in the Bible that walls come down by sound and when the children of Israel decided that they would shout unto God that which was blocking them from the promise Came down. Leave that quiet stuff for your meditation, not for praise. 
So watch the musical forms, and we're going to go here. You may have to uh, just monitor me here, up here. Instrumentation is integral to praise. You have to take instruments, and you have to add them. You go through the Psalms, and you'll see the different instruments. If you have a King James Bible, you can go to your Psalms, and you will actually see above some of the Psalms things that you may not understand. You may say, what does this mean? And the writer would put, uh, to the chief musician, upon Neginoth. A song for the sons of Korah. And what he's doing there, he's actually telling the musician what instrument this song should be played on. In what key and what chord. And who should sing it. Because you have to add instrumentation. Can I show you something? Why is this important? Because we're taught in the word of God, Ezekiel 28, that when God created worship in the heavens through angelic hosts, he actually built instrumentation into Lucifer. And so in him, he put the pipe and the horn. Everything was inside of him so that when angels began to worship God, out of Lucifer came all these different sounds that added to their songs. And I think the enemy has come into the earth and he's taken over instrumentation and he's gifted men and women to play skillfully with instruments to take a generation all the way down to hell. But the church has come today to take the instruments out of the hand of the enemy, put them back in the sanctuary so that when we begin to praise God, something begins to happen in the atmosphere. Something begins to happen. Praise is not the time to sleep. It's the time to participate. So look what the Bible says. I told you I'm going to give you something. Sing unto the Lord with the harp. With the harp and with the voice of a song. So you have to add music. So what you need are skillful musicians. And we're going to show you a song where it says, play skillfully. Because where there's skill, the anointing begins to flow. Things begin to happen. Robert could probably teach us a lot better than me. But the vibration, just touching the strings. And Robert will teach you about what happens when he is actually striking the, the piano key. He teaches, he taught me one time, he said, I'm actually hitting a skin and I'm beating a skin. And he taught me about how Jesus, his crucifixion is actually seen in how music is played. Every time you strike the keyboard, you're actually striking a skin. Things happen in the spirit when musicians play. They can play and no one sing and things begin to happen. You don't even have to see it. They know how to play. Something can change in the atmosphere. This is why my belief is that the best musicians belong in the house of God. Can I say that again? The best musicians belong in the house of God. I'm trying to figure out how to play and I want to play for God. And I don't know. I'm not a musician. No, don't play here. Do not play in Zion. That's not what God says. Can you imagine, brothers and sisters, can I, maybe you say, Pastor Miko, you're on a little soapbox, and maybe I am. Can, can you imagine if you paid your fifty hundred dollars to go to a concert, and the guy up there said, no, no, no. they pulled me in last minute, I'm not a keyboard player, but I'm going to figure something out for the concert tonight. Then you'd see the anger and the vitriol of people rise up. But Zion says, what does it matter? I said, it does matter based on what we're trying to achieve. Listen carefully. Add trumpets, add the cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. 
Let me show you. This is a Hebrew term. The word is zamar. It means to play music. And as they're playing, sing some praise. Play music. Play music. And all of a sudden, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Play music and demonic spirits will leave. Am I, am I in the Bible? Play music. And that spirit that's troubling you, Saul, would leave you. Play, play music. And that thing that's tormenting you, it would leave. Play music. So if that's true, if you play music right and spirits leave, if you play music wrong, spirits come. Play music. Play it skillfully. Make sure it's anointed. Samar. That's what Psalm 32 says. Praise the Lord. Zamar with the harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery. Add an instrument of ten strings. I tend to believe. Some people said it's an Old Testament liar. But I tend to believe that the instrument of ten strings is right here. I'll show you that in just a minute. That you are actually equipped with an instrument of ten strings. Let's move a little quickly. Would you give me some time? I don't want to leave this. There's another word. Nagan. You would see this. Neginoth. To thrum the strings. To beat the strings in praise. All of a sudden the string is offering a praise unto God. There's a sound ascending that God inhabits the praises of his people. Here is the text so that you can see that. Sing unto him a new song. Nagan skillfully with a loud noise. Can you imagine what it sounded like in David's temple? Because there were people there, what they had in their hands, they had symbols in their hands, and their job was to bang those symbols. While others were playing strings, and the temple was filled with worship. And God, do you know what he does? He comes and he sits down in the midst of the praises of his people. I like that word. That word is shakan. It means to come and take up a residence where people are praising. God sits in the midst of praise. That's why I believe when God shows up in worship, meaning that he manifests his presence, you can ask whatever you will because he's right there. That's why people do the things that they do when the worship begins to rise. You see people begin to run. They begin to shake. They begin to shout. They begin to do ecstatic things because God has now sat down. He's present. Can I teach you something? There's no way that God can be present and you don't respond. Because there's something wrong with that kind of God. Because when he shows up, the mountains melt. Think about what I'm saying. If you say God is here, you can't be yawning. You can't cross your legs. If God shows up, something inside of you should register. There's something here. There should be a response. There should be a response. There's, there's more, but let me move over to the body because now we can add the human body to the musical forms and show you that even how you are created, your anatomy has been designed to offer praise unto God. Everything about you, you are a walking instrument of worship. 
And in fact, the highest thing that you should do with your body is to praise God, then everything else should follow. If you do more with your body than praise God, you're out of order because you've been created for something. So watch this, brothers and sisters, watch. Here is, here is this is one. You always hear me say at the end of the service, lift your hands. And you might even hear me say, because I'm also precise. I mean, you may say, pastor's picking on me. I don't believe that this is lifting my hands. I don't, brothers. I'm just being honest with you. I don't believe that this is lifting my hands. I believe that this is lifting my hands. And the reason why I believe that is when I watch other activities, like for instance, if somebody's at an, a concert or a basketball game or a hockey game or a football, something that they're enjoying and they hear something, they see something, all of a sudden they go like this. So then I say, that's come from the house of God. Yada means to extend the hands up to God. That's an act of worship when I lift my hands up to God. Believe it or not, my body is sending a message, watch, that my spirit is exalting God. And because my spirit is exalting God, my body must follow suit. If my hands become heavy, something is being said about my spirit. Believe me when I say this. If you find it hard to lift your hands, it's not your hands that's the problem. Your hands are designed to manifest what's happening in your spirit. So watch now. Let's move a little further. Here's the scripture. Watch. Let all the people yada. So in God's mind, he's waiting for all creation to lift up their hands. I hear your Holy Spirit again. And what the devil does is he sends activities and pleasure and entertainment and gets people to lift up their hands unto the wrong God. So if it's just a, minor, a minority of us, let's lift our hands unto the right God until everybody in creation knows that your hands were made to bless God. Oh yes! Oh yes! That I was created to praise God! Oh, you don't want me to go deeper. Because I saw people in this church look me in the eye and did this. The devil is a liar. If you're in this ministry, I want you to lift your hands and bless your God. And let the devil know that I was created. I was created now to praise God. Oh yes, I was. a minute the devil is a liar now I'm gonna go back to who I used to be a shepherd over the house and tell you you're wrong when you're wrong you're wrong when you're right you're right but when God asks you to do something through the power of the Spirit do it you don't know what God is setting you up to achieve in your life you don't know what's ahead of you today that your praise is thwarting that's why god said if you praise me now i'll take care of what's ahead you don't know you don't have a clue what trap is being set val may i see or may i go for just a bit more i want to reset the culture of the house because what we have done i'll be very honest with you We've looked at the journey of the house, all that's happened, how you feel about me, what's happened in my life, what might happen in your life to determine how you praise God. 
You use your feelings to determine what you offer to God. Today, 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 the devil, I rebuke him. This house praises God because he's God. Not because of Pastor Michael, not because of Brother So-and-so. We bless God because he is God. Reset the culture, Pastor. Reset the culture. Because we're waiting for results. Let's go a little further. You don't mind? You're okay? You're okay? Watch this one. This word is, this word is a Hebrew word. Every us. Pazaz means to leap in praising God. This is the word that David uses when he sees the ark coming from a distance. You know the story. He goes down to Bali and he brings up the ark out of the house of Obed-Edom. But because the ark represented the authority of God, the glory and the governance of God in Israel, David knew that the ark being Obed-Edom's house, God was far. But when he saw God coming down the road, the Bible said he began to leap. Now watch this. The word pizzazz means to leap. And when you leap, you look like you're going to lose your limbs. In other words, he is actually in an ecstatic form of praising unto God. You will see this in concerts. You will. You will see this in entertainment places. We just need to see this in the house of God. Somebody needs to leap unto God and forget about who's watching. Pazaz! 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 When you praise God, you need a whole lot of self-confidence to praise God. Because when you really praise God, people are going to judge you. They're going to say, it doesn't take all of that. You don't need to do all of that. But if you know what I've come through, if you know the hell that I've walked through, if you know what the devil's been trying to do in my life, you would... Sit, brothers and sisters. This is the text. You can read it at home. David saw the ark. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window, saw the king leaping, dancing before God. She despised him. I don't have the next verse 17. But David, when he heard she despised, she said, if you thought that today was undignified, come and watch me tomorrow. Because when, watch this, I think of the goodness of my God and what he has done in my life. Excuse me. Pazaz. That's what we want to, do you know what I said to myself? I said that, Tanika, when people watch you praise God, they should think, that looks fun. That looks like fun. That looks like you're delighting in what you're doing. It shouldn't look like it's labor. 
I lift my hands because the pastor told me, so I might as well do it to shut him up. Uh, let's move on with the service. It should look like you're engulfed, enraptured, enthralled, inebriated, intoxicated in what you are doing. That's what I think. Because in his presence, there is... Those guys, Dwayne, would you stand up and put the camera on Dwayne? Dwayne plays bass and Phil plays the acoustic guitar. Dwayne will nod his head if I'm lying. I tell Dwayne, when you feel like it, you stand up and you do your thing. Am I right? I want to see Dwayne come across the front one day, Jennifer, just like this. Just like this. Uh-huh. That's what I, I want to see people enjoying God. I want to see people delighting themselves in their God. I want to see people run across the sanctuary. I want to see people jump as high as they can in the house of God so that I can tell the devil where the Spirit of God is. There is liberty. Mm -hmm. The reason why you should leave me alone, you don't know my story. Am I talking to anybody? You don't know my story. And you don't know the uniqueness of my God in my story. Mm. Here's the other one. Takwa. Takwa, I told you God gave you ten strings. Takwa means to clap the hands. To give God a standing ovation. It's powerful. This is why you would, again, I watch closely and I keep asking. Every time something happens in a sporting event. Every time. Home run. Dunk. Watch the right tennis hit. What do people know about this? In celebrating. In the body of Christ, it's the same thing. It's the power of the clap. It's the sound that you make. Watch. Oh, clap your hands. All the people. Do you see that? Again, prophetically, God is not talking to the church. He's talking to the entire creation. Clap your hands. All the people. You know that when God sees the trees going like this, he says, the trees clap their hands. Oh, God. The sea roars. Oh. Our God is great. Do you hear what I'm saying? I want to join in this symphony of creation and clap these hands. You will never understand until you don't have hands. You'll never appreciate the leap until all of a sudden they amputate the leg. But you don't understand that something of me that was designed for him is gone. I'm going to give God everything if you don't mind. I give him everything I want you to give him everything. This is our house. And if you don't give him anything, don't come and meet with me and talk about it. It's not happening here at the ministry. It's not happening in you. Leave me alone. It's not happening in you. Because if it happens in me, it happens to you. It'll happen in this house. No, the ministry's not right. No, you're not right. That's what people need to know. Until we all jump on this praise boat... You see, it bothers me when people sit there, they don't participate, they, and then they come and have issues with the ministry. That bothers me. Because I would more rather listen to someone who's fully engulfed 
who's as sweaty as I am after the service saying, Pastor, we could do better. So I'm, I'm all ears. But you sit there, I sit there, I don't do anything. Then I got an issue. No, brothers and sisters, that issue is with me. And I'm retro projecting it on you. Watch closely. We're almost home. These are vocal forms. And I could have gone more. I could have told you about ragad. To stamp the foot. Ragad. That's amazing. Ranan. To run. Everything about our anatomy has been designed to praise God. But the best part, I think, is when God hears something from me. That's why in the kingdom of God, in worship, silence is not golden. God wants to hear. That's why he's given you, watch, the Bible calls your tongue a string. So when the demoniac couldn't speak and Jesus healed him, he loosed the string of his tongue and he spoke. You see that? The highest form, I think, comes out of our vocality. It's our ability to articulate something to God. Because what that says, it's coming from my spirit as all worship and praise does, but it's stopping through my heart. And out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth begins to speak. When I close my mouth in the presence of God, I send a signal that things may not be right in my heart. I'm not talking always moral, you know. But I could have some heart issues that's hampering my vocal cords. Watch this, brothers and sisters. Tehillah means to sing to God. Tehillah. Sing praise unto God. That would mean that God, regardless of what you think about your singing abilities, God hears everything you sing according to how he's wired you. So he's not asking you to sing. He's not definitely not asking me to sing like Jennifer. But he's asking me to sing unto him a new song. Watch this. Look at the text. You can put it in there. I will bless the Lord at all times. Watch. His tehillah shall continually be in my mouth. Now do you see what Paul means when he says that you should sing and make melody unto God? Talking to the church at Colossian, at Colossae. That every day you should have a song in your heart to God. Sing a new song to God. Sing in the shower. Sing in your car. Sing at your desk. I'm telling you. You know, I find myself, I'll confess, at times because I was very into music, some, every now and then, in a humorous way, I find myself rehashing some old songs I used to listen to. I say, oh, that's the power of the song. It stays even in your memory bank. There are songs, when we came up in the, can I say, the older Pentecostal, you know, we didn't have screens. Am I right, Robert? So you know what we, we, we were made? You had to memorize every song if it wasn't in your hymn book. And I saw mothers, would get, they would have a litany of songs in their head. And they would just go through it and through it. It stays in your memory bank. They know those little choruses. What a mighty God we serve across the bridge. There'll be no sorrow. Look what the Lord has done. And all of a sudden, it comes, it comes out of your memory. It's the power of a song. That's your tehillah. Then God says, you can add volume. It's not that I'm deaf. But when you add volume, what you're doing is you're telling me that there's passion in your heart. 
This is called Shabak. This is one of the forms of shouting to God. So yes, I'm upset, but I'm not going to shout at my wife or my husband or my neighbor. I'm going to shout unto God with a voice triumph. So God said, you can shout unto me. And I see it as praise. That's what he told Israel. He said, shout against these walls. They're going to come down. There are times when the worship leader will tell us, everyone, let's shout unto God. You know what you're supposed to do then? Throw your head back. Dig deep down in the repository of your vocal cords and let something go out of your mouth that will watch it split the ground. Do you not believe that? When Solomon dedicated, sorry, when they were bringing Solomon up to crown him king on David's white donkey, the people shouted and the Bible said the ground split. When Jesus came into the city and they cried Hosanna, the Greek text said that the ground shook. The word is seismos. That's the word that you get, a seismic shaking, an earthquake. So the sound that comes from the people of God. Wouldn't you agree with me that there's some things in your life, my life, that need to be shaken up? Yeah. One step further, watch. Because if his loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall shabak him. All I think about is how great God is. My lips begin to just shabak him. I've got two more than we're home. Sorry for pushing it. Teruah takes Shabbat one octave higher. It becomes a scream unto God. I tend to think that in crisis, this is how we should go to God. The scream of worship. Hallelujah. It's a scream. So watch what the Bible says. No, it's there right there in the text. Clap your hands, all you people. Watch. Teruah unto God unto God with a voice of triumph. You can scream. I'm up under pressure, God. Hallelujah. I'm going to lose my mind if something doesn't break for me. I close by telling you this last one. I'm not a psychologist, but I have read a little bit. And even psychologists have something called scream therapy. It's an interesting thing. You got a whole lot of issues. They put you in a room until you scream. Let it all out. Isn't that amazing? God will tell you the same thing. This is the last one. Then we're home. Thank you for staying with me. This is the pinnacle. This is where we get the word hallelujah from. It's the word halal. It is the highest form. It considers every form of praise. It marries them all together. The shout, the clap, everything. And it comes out, hallelujah. That's what David does in Psalm 150. And that's what happens in the book of Second Chronicles. When the Levites go out and they begin to march, I'm sure they were afraid. But all they said, watch, the, the English would put it like this, praise ye the Lord. But they went out in front of people that were going to kill them. And they simply said, halal, halal. Then you understand that, watch, the foolish things of God, they're wiser than all the wisdom of this world. You might say, that's crazy. That's going to cost you 
your life, I would say, no, that's not crazy. That's trusting in the power of praise. That there's no way that I will praise my God on this battlefield and he lets me down. No way that he will not respond to my praise. And so let the enemy come. They could be to watch. They could be so close that I can smell their breath on me. But I'm going to breathe back something in my situation. Halal. Halal. And watch the power of praise. Can I close by telling you this? That is one dimension of coming to God. That's not even the worship dimension. So imagine if we mastered the praise dimension. And then we step into the worship dimension. Which takes on a whole different form. Then we add the principles. I'm convinced. We stayed here on Wednesday till I think 1230 at night. I was talking to a young pastor. And a few of us were here. And his greatest concern. He was so concerned because he says, I think we're losing the church. He says, in my ministry, and he was being candid with us. He said, we've got padded seats. He said, we've got air conditioning. We've got, we've got everything. We've coddled people. And they're still complaining about this. People are still saying God's not working. It's just not working out. And he began to talk about maybe we need to reconsider the cross. And I said, I agree with you. But you know, greater than that, if we would go back to some basic fundamental things. Listen, when we come here, it's not a whole bunch of do and do. Where I'm from, give me a chance to sing. Can I share a testimony? Can I exhort? That's not what God wants today. We come here and we enter in and we offer up and he comes down and he distributes miracles and the power of God begins to move in our lives and we go out and we change our world with that same power. That's all God wants. That's all. Please, everyone, stand on your feet just for a moment. When we come next Sunday and the Wednesday and whatever time, position your mind to say whether it's 20 minutes. And sisters and brothers, let's be honest with ourselves. From where we're coming from, Rima, we have drastically trimmed the worship experience. Am I right? 20 minutes. Give him everything. Give him everything. Lose yourself in him. Do you know that one of the rap guys had a song and that was the name of the song, Lose Yourself? And he had young people just banging their heads and losing themselves. And that's what God would say to us. When you come into my presence, jump in. Lose yourself. If anyone judges you, come and talk to me. I will directly go and speak to them. But lose yourself. Throw up your hands. Clap them. Lift up your voice. And Jen, when you lead us, we're going to try to outrun you so that you've got to catch up to us and go ahead of us. And we're going to try to outrun you because this thing is about the power of praise. It's about, come, come, watch. It's about time. We put COVID behind us. We put all the trials of life where they belong. We put the devil under our feet and we put God where he belongs. In the middle of our praise. Would you take 30 seconds, wherever you are, in whatever circumstance you're in, and would you mingle some of this praise unto your God? Do whatever you feel like doing. If you want to clap, clap your hands. If you want to shout, lift your voice. If you want to run, go ahead and run. If you want to leave, 
go ahead and leave. If you want to shout, go ahead and shout. If you want to stop, go ahead and stop. But whatever you do, give God 